0: You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders.
1: Second down and two, the handoff to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5, he's in! Touchdown, Seahawks!
0: Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First
1: and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake at Stafford. Gonna stop, gonna look, gets hit, goes down! Back in midfield! Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor!
0: Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller.
2: Welcome to another edition and another week and another chance to talk about Seahawks football and John Boyle, perhaps more importantly, another chance to get a leg up in the standings. I'm looking at this NFC West and I cannot believe where everybody is at.
0: It's wide open. I mean, Peter Carroll touched on that this week of like, look, Seahawks aren't happy at two and three. They know they've had a couple opportunities to win games that got away from them, but The good news is nobody's running away with this. You know, the defending Super Bowl champions are sitting there at two and three also. You've got, uh, you know, San Francisco's got the lead at three and two, but obviously you're right within striking distance of them. So... Everything's out there for you still. That's the good news. And then we'll get into, you know, there's some stuff they got to fix to to get those wins.
2: And in true Pete Carroll fashion, you know that he is measuring the season in quarters. And this season has not gone according to plan, but there's still reason for optimism.
1: It's been hard. It's been hard for teams to get up on top of the, the, you know, the the schedule here. So fortunate for us, it feels like we're starting again, you know, first quarter of the season is over. And that's hard to imagine. Um, I wouldn't think that, you know, you can really write a, a great story right now not knowing what else is going to happen, you know. But uh, so we're, we're looking at that's done. Let's get moving, and, and we're within striking distance of doing something really special, so we're going for it.
0: Now, it's confusing with 17 games. Was that the first quarter or was it a week <laughs> I'm not before? doing math, John. I mean, I'm technically not doing that. it was the end of the first quarter of this past week's game. But, yeah, I mean, to Pete's point, like, look, this is not a finished product by any means, but you're still right in that position. It's not like somebody's 5-0 and in the division and you're like, oh, man, we can't make up those three games. So, it's, you know, again, lots to look forward to, things you got to get better at if you're going to hit those goals. But, you know, it, the, the division's there, the, out there still.
2: Well, but here's kind of my question on this. And I get it. And look, I am so pleased with where the offense is because typically we see an offense that starts slow as they kind of get together and get on the same page. Not what we've seen. Geno Smith has been unbelievable and among the league leaders in several categories. But defensively, it has been a slow start. There's been a number of reasons. I don't know that there's a dramatic turn in the next two to three weeks because, John, what I'm looking at are guys that, still need to see a certain amount of reps before it starts to slow down for
0: yeah i mean there's there's a lot of young guys playing big roles out there and you know even guys who aren't young but who are new you know chenna and has been one of their best players so i'm not saying he's an example of guys struggling because he's new but he's new shelby harris is new you've got rookies playing so it's you know they're still figuring it out there's been some growing pains when you combine the new guys with the new scheme but They got to get it figured out. This defense doesn't need to be, you know, top five in the NFL all of a sudden. They just got to start making incremental improvements, clean up some of the big plays, all that. And you do that. I mean, if this defense is even playing a little better, they might be four and one right now. So I don't think it's reasonable to expect them to just flip a switch and dominate, but just, you know, start start making those small improvements week to week and get to the point where you're winning these games where the offense scores 30 points.
2: Well, and the reason the Seahawks record isn't Better than it is. It's not because the offense isn't putting up points. Defense has allowed 111 points in the last couple of weeks. They are allowing the most yards per play in the NFL 6.6, most yards per game, 430, and the second most points at just over 30 a game. So when you look at that and you see that they have not turned that corner, you wonder what kind of an impact a guy who's been around the team now three different times can make with Bruce Irvin.
1: I'm really glad to have him back. I've always loved Bruce and what he brings, uh, how hard he plays, and how much he cares, and the intensity, and all of that. And uh, you know, we'll see. I'm not going to ask. I'm not asking him to be come out here and give speeches and stuff like that. Um, as long as he breaks them down every once in a while, we'll be in good shape. But he will have an effect. You know, he's been around enough. He cares a tremendous amount about excellence and, and uh, the style of play and playing tough and all that. And so he'll he'll have a good effect.
0: The CX have a lot of young guys in that edge edge rushing group, you know, most notably a rookie in boy Mafe, but also Daryl Taylor's a guy who's still pretty early in his career. So having a veteran around like Bruce Irvin, who, yeah, I remember talking to him, we haven't heard from him yet since he got back, but I remember talking to him in 2020 just about his maturing process as a player and learning the league, but also just learning how to handle everything that comes with it, you know, the money, the attention, and the way he matured and grew up in his time here is really cool to see. And I think he could help, these guys on and off the field be better and you know hopefully obviously he's contributing as a player first and foremost but I think he's gonna bring some good things as a just leader too
2: well and he's got the right personality which is still fun loving he is a hilarious guy in that clubhouse or locker room excuse me and Two sports one time, we that was bound to happen. Yeah, Talking to Jordan Brooks, he was like, look, we know that he's funny, but we also know that he's serious. Clint Hurt pointed this out as well. He can have fun, but the guys also see him buckle mm-hmm. down. He is passionate about what he does. And the more I think about this move, John, the more I'm thinking you're bringing him in to be part of a rotation, yeah. right? Like, So if he's on the field, I don't know, 35% of the time, which is within line for some of those edge rushers, He still has explosiveness. He is still an incredible athlete.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember when he was here a couple years ago, he was hanging out and they were doing their pass rush drills. I have those big, like, six-foot-tall blocking dummy things, and he just jumped over one. It was like it was nothing. So, um, yeah, I mean, even at, I think he's 35 now, he's going to be one of the better athletes on the field. So I I really think, you know, he's going to probably need all the time. I wouldn't expect, he could play this weekend, but I wouldn't really necessarily expect to see him out there. But once he's on the field, I mean, he definitely can still help them.
2: Well, and Pete said that while he is open to having Bruce on the field this week, it would probably be in everybody's best interest just to let him acclimate a little bit. Exactly. I also thought how that conversation came about was a little bit interesting because it revealed – the dialogue that takes place between former players and Pete Carroll. And he had talked about Bruce is in the area. A number of those guys are in the area. So when you think about bringing these guys in for a workout, it's not like they haven't been talking for weeks or months or years. There's ongoing text messages. And so I think what what I look at that and I'm like, well, they're still engaged in the program, right? They're still watching the game. They're still watching the players. They still know the scheme. They still know Pete. This is different than bringing any old player in off the streets. Exactly. I, I just love it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we I think we talked about this with Richard Sherman being around, talking to Tariq Woll, but the amount of the former players who stay in the area, stay connected to the team, it's really cool to see, and that's something I know that Pete Carroll's very proud of is the connection that they've formed with a lot of their former players. So, yeah, I mean, it's a guy they obviously know very well as a player and a person, and then with Daryl Johnson getting hurt, the need kind of came up, and the timing worked out well to bring him in.
2: I was going to have you choose your own ending as to where this is going to go but I am going to take you in this direction and then circle back around. I realize you don't know what we're talking about. I'm lost right now. I'm excited. Well, This is like, it's an adventure. So when we talk about this defense and where we need to see some improvement, certainly you look to the middle of the field because you've got Jordan Brooks calling this defense and there have been some misses in the middle of the field, whether Mm -hmm. it is being overly aggressive, whether it's the awareness on the tackles, which I do think was better last week in New Orleans. Just some of that situational stuff. Pete Carroll giving an evaluation on what he has seen from Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton through the first five weeks.
1: They're both going with the system and they're, they're going to continue to take advantage of the system more so. They're, they're still um, they're still working their way through some of the stuff. I thought last week was the best game the two of them played. I thought they, they, they moved together and attacked the line of scrimmage well. Uh, I thought Cody's that was Cody's better game uh, for him. So that's a good step forward there's a lot of cool things in the system that allow them to be active and, and to take advantage of the calls and we're not fully doing that yet and and uh, so but they're getting there jordan is an incredible football player he's an incredible player and you know i don't uh, i don't know that there's anything but but the sky is the limit for him so we'll keep shooting for it
0: you know Clint hurt had similar assessments of look it wasn't perfect last week but those two did as as a group play better together um it you know Again, there's things they need to clean up, but it's good to at least see some of that improvement. And it's it gets skewed because they can do things right for most of the game, but they keep letting these big plays out. And I mean, I go back to, you know, you asked Pete Carroll at the peak of their defense is like, what makes good defense? And he always starts with, don't give up huge plays and stop the run. And those are two things they haven't done consistently at all this year. So you clean some of those things up and you know, people kind of laugh like, Oh, they played one of their best games, but they gave this and this up. But really it's, they're evaluating, you know, the whole body of work. And over the course of this many plays, a lot of it was better, but Again, you got to get some of those big plays out of your game.
2: Well, and 235 rushing yards allowed. 112 of those were to, to Taysom Hill, which you could argue there should have been some better recognition there. But you take those out, you're dealing with running backs. The Arizona Cardinals, a lot of injuries at that position. Mm-hmm. Three running backs hurt in last week's game. We're kind of waiting to see how that shakes out just a little bit. But when you get back to linebackers, knowing that the running back group is thin for the Cardinals, what you can expect is some tight end stuff underneath and Zach Ertz has been a monster against Seattle in the last couple of matchups 229 yards, two touchdowns, 41 targets. That's a lot.
0: Yeah, he's I mean, he's a heck That's- of a football <laughs> player. It's <laughs> Well, look at that analysis. That's a lot of yards. That's
2: a lot <laughs> this, of yards. This is why
0: people come here for this podcast. <laughs>
2: well, you know, the insight that you can't get anywhere else.
0: You can't nowhere else. But yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're digging about running back, but I keep going back to the quarterback of like, yeah. okay, well, you got to worry about maybe their running backs aren't as good, but, or, and, you know, the guys are expecting, but that quarterback, you know, we, you talk about Taysom Hill's kind of a unique, they don't see a lot of guys like that and that particular stuff, but they also don't see a lot of athletes at quarterback like, uh, Kyler Murray, so it's gonna be. What, what, what did Clint Hurt say I about was him?
2: Just he just looking that. He said one he's like up. a
0: punt returner with a
2: with a cannon, with a for, cannon an arm, for an arm or a bazooka so, yeah. for an
0: arm or something. So yeah, yeah. I mean that to me is where you know whoever's at running back, it's you got to figure out how not the quarterback beat you.
2: Well, and I tell you what, the analysis that folks are looking for on this podcast, how about this insight from Jordan Brooks, who played for Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. So I was asking about his familiarity and kind of what about Kingsbury and and Murray and and all of this stuff. And, And we went back to his college days and he started telling me how they ran practices. No warm up for the defense the defense would run onto the field and the offense would go through scripted plays for an entire drive at full speed. And they called it quick start. And you just got on the field and had to try to get the ball away. And then practice started. Interesting. How about that? That's, uh, huh. And he'd said that it really helped him in the Big Twelve. He was like, "Well, yeah. it helped me start fast for games. It actually helped me a lot playing in space against Kyler for sure. You know, like all of these things." But um, I thought it's like, "Wow, I have never
0: heard I of." I kind of want to see that. It sounds. Fascinating.
2: I said, that sounds like an awful way to start practice if I did not yeah. feel like being out there. Like,
0: let me get a little jog in first or something. <laughs> a little stretch and a jog. And-
2: it could also be our age showing job. Yeah, well, I absolutely. need to warm up to work out now. I don't, do, now. Yeah, I don't that's, start quickly. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's not an option. <laughs> that's a problem. Okay, here's the other side of this conversation. We are bringing it back around, talking about not needing to warm up. You know who else doesn't need to warm up? Tariq Woolen. I am pretty sure that he is that fast Anytime that he wants to be that fast, I have been so impressed with him for so many different reasons. And last week, I loved the interception. Third interception in that many weeks, right? Yeah. I did not realize how impressive that was until hearing Pete Carroll talk about it.
1: When a corner's out there playing by, by himself, in essence, whether it's three deep or man-to-man, his first responsibility is to cover the deep ball. And if there was a coverage that You could call that a corner could cover the deep ball and stop out routes. You'd call it every snap, <laughs> okay? That doesn't exist because you got to take the, take the deep ball. You got to stay on top, and to stay on top means that you're gonna they're gonna be able to burst off line of scrimmage and break back. So to be able to cover the deep ball, which he was in position to do that, and come back and and have the rhythm and the and the, the sense uh, to to jump that route too. That's a big deal. It wasn't like he lucked out. It wasn't like he guessed. He just played the route and was on it, and then it got his foot in the ground and got back and then made a terrific catch with a guy, you know, contesting it. It starts with you've got the number one responsibility is to stay on top of the guy. Like I said, I mean, I've been coaching secondary for a million years. If I could find the coverage where a guy could cover the deep ball and the out routes, I would call it every snap. (laughs) It doesn't exist.
0: Well, apparently it does exist if you have a 6'4" instinct, uh, you know, guy who's, you know, runs a four So yeah, I mean, to Pete's point, like if you're doing your number one responsibility there, it's really hard to then make that play in the ball. And it's, if you watch it slow down, it looks like, you know, for 95% of that play, it looks like it should have been a completed catch, but the way he's able with his combination of length and that burst, it's like one minute, the guy's got a cushion and the next minute Trick one's got the ball in his hands. It's wild how he just sort of made that space evaporate. So yeah, he's he's been so fun to watch. And it's just crazy to think when he got here, we're thinking of him as kind of the raw guy who's going to need time to develop because he barely played cornerback in college. And he already is like a young star in the making. And I just, I can't imagine what, where this ends for him as he continues to grow.
2: Well, I tell you where it ends for him. It's doing interviews with me every single week. In fact, he saw me coming in the locker room last week, and he was like, hey, do you need me? Can I just take a couple of minutes? And I actually had to give the rookie the week off. We had talked to him so much, and I said, you know what? We'll catch you next time. I don't know, time. Jen.
0: To me, you know, if he wants a week off, he should stop getting interceptions. I
2: know. He goes, well, you're going to run out of questions to ask. I said, there's zero chance that's going to happen. But here's what I did not stop to think about until we heard Clint Hurt talk about it this week. Look, if I had that kind of speed, I think I would use it all the time, right? And Clint Hurt pointed out, there are lots of guys who have come in the league with Tariq's speed, but you would have never guessed it because they don't trust it. And I never would have really thought about that, right? If you have that skill, then use it. But Tariq is also a different type of instinctual player, certainly going back to being a wide receiver. Yeah. He can play that more confidently than somebody else. Yeah.
0: Pete talked about that a little bit too, how much that you know goes back to the Richard Sherman comparison of, you know, just if you've got all those reps at receiver, you recognize things that a, a lifelong cornerback might not see and understand of, you know, he's going to sit on this route here. He's going to do that. And, you uh, I, I did not give Treak the week off. I talked to him after <laughs> after the game, and it, hearing him describe that was pretty fascinating, just the way that you know film studies showed they like to do this. I noticed during the game that he kept doing this, so it was sort of this, you're almost baiting him, of he plays that bail coverage, he starts off, but he also knows, given the down distance where the six were, that he was probably going to come back on that route, so he jumped it and made a great play. But yeah, it's, there is a big difference between being fast, in a 40 yard dash and playing fast. And he's definitely both.
2: Well, and here's what I love this week. Kyler Murray has the most passing attempts of any quarterback in the league so far this year. Opportunity. So there should be some opportunity. There is what I am sensing. You know, it's interesting when you look at the matchup, you would think that being back home is an advantage for the Seahawks. You're back in front of the 12s. And then you look, at the cardinals numbers but before we do let's get a word from our sponsor
0: the best stories aren't the ones you're told they're the ones you live meeting people in person facing challenges face to face getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view so for those who want their own story to tell delta airlines has a world full of places to start delta the official airline of the seahawks you love you always love being back home. You don't want to ever give up a chance to play in front of the twelves. But to your point, Arizona is a weird team in terms of their home and road splits. They can't win at home this year, and even last year they struggled at home. They're two and zero on the road this year. Last year they went they won eight of their nine road games. So I mean, this team is just it's very night and day how well they play road and home. Obviously, when you talk to Arizona fans, they're frustrated they don't win at home. But when they go on the road, they have a lot of confidence coming in here. And obviously, the history of this series, both teams have played better on the road for years and years. So, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think there's a huge thing to take into that for how the CX do anything this week. Other than just, you know, you're getting a very confident team coming in here.
2: Well, and they are really confident when they get into the red zone. They are converting 56% of their opportunities in the red zone into touchdowns. Seahawks. Meanwhile, 38% of those that's kind of dropped in recent weeks, which is a little bit surprising. And then you take a look at some of Seattle's touchdowns. They're not even getting into the red zone, Mm -hmm. like the one that we saw from Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett on Sunday.
1: I'm all in, you know, and and we were trying to bring him on and, and figure it out how, how far Gino could take it. And there's no doubt, you know, that we don't have any hesitation and that's using those opportunities to, to trust and go for it. I mean, they aren't always going to work out like that, but because of the way we believe they're going to work out like that more than they're not, you know, because we'll go for it and then we'll, we'll Cut our guys loose and count on our guys to make their plays. Yeah, I mean, that's tremendous trust in the protection. I Murray mean, slid up in the pocket so beautifully to, to get that done. The protection was, was perfect, but it's also making that throw. That's he's been around those kinds of plays. He's seen it. He knows now, and, and he, we're not restricting him at all. I and mean, we trust that he's going to make the right choices. And so that gives us a sense that we can keep going for it. You know, we're we're pretty efficient right now. You know, and we're, it's getting done. So um, hopefully, we can keep growing.
0: Yeah, and you said the one to Tyler Lockett, you're going to have to be more specific because there were two beautiful <laughs> deep balls to Tyler true. Lockett. But the one that Pete's talking about there was end of the half clocks running down. You're already in range of a long, but not, you know, a makeable field goal. And I believe they're at timeout. So you're in that situation of if you're going to take your shot there, everything has to go right. Cause if you get sacked half ends, if you complete a pass in the middle of the field, you might not get the ball spiked before the, the half end. So you're really putting a lot of trust, not just in Geno, but that whole offense to do things right. And man, he just made a fantastic throw. As Pete Carroll said in there, felt the pressure, stepped up in the pocket beautifully, just delivered a strike. And Tyler Lockett did what he almost always does when the ball comes away and made the play. So yeah, it's, I mean, Obviously, you want to be better in the red zone, but it helps if you're scoring from 35, 40, even 50 yards out like they did in that game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I talked to Shane Waldron last week and just kind of asked about that relationship with Geno Smith. And he said, you know, the thing that you forget is that he's seen a lot of football. Mm -hmm. His catalog and inventory of plays that he can go to is really significant. And I think we do discount the time that he spent as a backup. And I know that not all backup quarterbacks treat that role the same way. Shane was really complimentary of how Gino stayed in the game planning and stayed in the games. And he said, this is not a fluke. Like, this yeah. guy has been around the game a long time. And it, when you see him make plays like that, you go, oh, yeah. Yeah, th- this is a guy that has plenty of experience. Yeah. It really is.
0: Because, yeah, to your point, even if he's not on the field as much as he wants to be, he's learning. I mean, he's played under some great quarterbacks and Russell Wilson, Phil Rivers, Eli Manning, a whole bunch of different schemes over those years, different coordinators. So he's going to just have this great catalog of things he knows about the game that we're seeing it all on display. And it's it's been really fun to see.
2: It has been really fun. I feel like every week we talk about Geno Smith. Every week we should be talking about Geno Smith when he leads the league in completion percentage and he is uh, passer rating. also leads the league.
0: Yeah, it's... it's I should have
2: taken... I should have... (laughs) I should have... There's a lot of things that I should have looked harder at before the season started, and I started making predictions (laughs) for these things. But I have looked at this matchup enough to have two things that I want to see happen on Sunday that will lead to a Seahawks win. But do you want to go first?
0: I would love to. And I feel like we're, got? I feel like I've been hitting this too many times, but the defense, if they
2: don't listen to you, you're going to have to do it again. I just need
0: the defense to get the big plays and not even, I'm not talking their explosives of 16 yard run, 12 yard or 16 yard pass, 12 yard run. I can live with some of those, but just get the 30, 40, 50 yard. They've given up four plays of 50 or more yards in the last two games. So nothing over like 30, 35 yards. If you give up some smaller explosives, I can live with that, but get the huge massive plays, especially the touchdowns, get that out of your game. Offensively, just keep doing what they're doing with the fast starts. I think that's taking some pressure. It should take pressure off the defense. I think it just builds confidence in the offense. So I think it's, they've scored touchdowns on three of their first five opening possessions this year. They've had four scores on their five opening possessions. So keep starting fast on offense, you know, I think you're going to need it in this game.
2: I am going to say this. The Cardinals have turned the ball over just five times on the road since the start of last season. It is one of the reasons they have been very good on the road. I'd like to see a takeaway. I'm going to get greedy and I'd like to see that takeaway from Tariq Woolen because he could be, the first Seahawk player since Brandon Browner to have interceptions in four straight games. Is
0: he going to have to do an interview with you? If he yes, four he absolutely okay. he got
2: one week off, and then we're back on track. Here's the other thing: I would like to see Seattle run more plays. Just 49 plays last week. I'd like to see that in the 55 to 60 range, and get Ken Walker the third going in place of Rashad Penny. That's what we've got this week for you. We will see you next time with a brand new edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast.